It is the most wonderful time of the year for a year that can't end soon enough. We all deserve a win. We all deserve a little extra money in our pocket. And we all deserve to have a little fun. Well, the best place to get all three is mybookie.com. They're the only sports book that doesn't care whether you were naughty or nice this year. They've got gifts for everyone. Bet the NFL, NBA, college football, and more. College basketball, too. Sign up today and receive the ultimate stocking stuffer, a 50% deposit bonus up to $1,000. That's a great place to start, but we all know Christmas is about what's under the tree. And at MyBookie, that means huge deposit bonuses, epic giveaways, and free contests. It's simple. Sign up, enter promo code ZABE, and get your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. Head over to MyBookie to make the most of the holidays this year and strut into 2021 with cash in your pocket. This winter, bet with the best. Bet with MyBookie. Today on the Zabecast, well, 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 looks like Herbie was right on Michigan waving the white flag. Will he take a victory lap? They like it empty, apparently. The Lambo Leap has become the Lambo Duck and Hide. Notorious J-A-Y with a lot to riff on, including my Wolfskins beating his Steelers. All that and more coming up in your 30-minute dose of Unfiltered Me. So let's go. <laughs> Here we go. Thursday, December 10th, 2020, and yes, I fucked up my own intro just a little bit there. I probably am due to rewrite it at some point here, but just give me some time on that. Well, before we get to Notorious J.A.Y., and I'm going to let him riff on Herbie being right about Michigan, canceling against Ohio State, and what looks like now, as the time of this taping on Wednesday afternoon that the Big Ten is going to swing into action and rearrange their rules to make sure Ohio State can secure the bag for the good old Big Ten. I'll let him weigh in on that, plus a bunch of other stuff that has happened in the last 48 or so hours. Meanwhile, Lambeau Field will remain only open to workers and the workers' families No players' families, no friends of the team, and certainly none of the unwashed, COVID-stained masses. The story that I read in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel about this was just so aggravating because it basically said, yeah, you know, the infection rate is going down in Brown County, which surrounds Lambeau Field. Yeah, the cases are going down. No, there's not been any documented cases of stadium transmission of COVID, but we're still going to keep it closed. Honestly, why? What, What would make Green Bay and the Packers decide to open at this point? What metric could possibly be hit? That's the thing. In so many places, the authorities are now even refusing to say, well, here's our target, less than 1,000 new cases a day, or less than this percent in the ICU, or less than this of hospital capacity. They don't even want to put metrics out there. They just want to go, nah, I don't think so. It's like your mom, when she would just keep putting it off 
something you wanted as a kid. Ma, ma, ma. Hey, ma, can we have this? Hey, ma. Hey, ma, can we have fans? Can we have fans? Nah, I don't think so. None of this is science. None of this is rational. But here was the kicker, despite the fact, by the way, so here's how it works. Here's how it has worked with the Packers this year. Back in September, cases were amazingly low compared to what they are now, but they were considered to be, well, they're still kind of high, and we're we're afraid of the virus. We can't let fans in. So they didn't. Thinking, well, it's kind of bad now with the cases way down here. And I, I don't have the numbers. I could go dig up the numbers. The numbers don't matter. But you and I know the numbers were way down here back in September. They didn't want to do it because they were afraid what happens if people get the Wuhan Red Death sitting in a stadium next to somebody else. Even if we separate them out, even if we just limit it to 20% capacity. No, no, we can't have that. Because the thought was, I think, well, it's going to get better, right? It's got to get a little better, right? Instead, it got worse. And so as we went up the ramp of it's getting bad, 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 worse, and of course, wait two weeks for the big surge of deaths never came. Wait two weeks. We might have hospitals overrun. It never came. It hit the peak, which this virus does whenever it peaks and goes in waves after about eight weeks and then starts to go down. This has happened everywhere in the world in which there has been an identified, an identified wave of cases. It's an eight-week phenomenon, eight to ten weeks, up the hill and down the hill, up the hill and down the hill, until eventually there's no more waves. None of this is a mystery to anybody, but it's almost like the health officials and the local politicians just don't want to acknowledge it. So cases are going down. So... In other words, cases are low back in September, no fans. Cases are rising in the middle of the season, no fans. Cases are now going down, but still no fans. I'm starting to sense a trend. Here was what was amazing from the story itself. And this is not the Packers saying this. This is not, I don't think, the county officials saying this. But this is how the copy was written in the story. Officials want to see how people behave during Christmas and New Year's and whether or not they partake in any super spreader events. Are you fucking kidding me? How are you going to behave? Behave, citizens. This is why when people say this was never about the virus, this is about control, and if you want to laugh at them and mock them for saying that, Listen to the language and understand it's not accidental. Well, how are the citizens going to behave over Christmas with their families and friends and New Year's? How are they going to behave? You behave well, maybe we'll let you come to a Packer game and spend your hard-earned money. Fuck you is what a lot of football fans will say. Even to the mighty and vaunted and beloved Green Bay Packers. Because going to football games is also optional. It's optional now in the pandemic when the health authorities are saying, nah, let's not do this, too dangerous. It's not dangerous, but they're saying that. The fans will be saying, 
yeah, you know what? Nah, I don't think I'm going to go to games anymore because, wow, much as I love the Packers, I've got $7,500 and change sitting in my bank account that I did not spend on Green Bay Packer tickets. This is the dangerous game these teams are playing. There is no reason on earth why you can't have at least 6,000 fans in those stands safely. None whatsoever. But they choose not to. They like it empty, apparently. For what reason? Why? I think it's all one big virtue signal. I really do. I think it is bowing to the whole, well, better be safe than sorry. They don't want to seem crass by going, yeah, we're going to let 10,000 in. It's just one of the most amazing things I have ever seen. And we'll see how you behave. Don't go to any super spreader events. Where are there, though? KB had a great line this morning on my show. He said, super spreader events attending? Where are they? Where are these things listed? (laughs) I'm like, great point. The way they talk about this stuff is just fucking amazing. Got my new Ram 1500 today. Man, it is beautiful. What a car. I know you're sick of me talking about it. It is part of a new category of trucks, and it's not just Ram that's uh, making these super trucks, so to speak, Uh, or not super trucks, but just high-end luxury trucks, trucks that have all the technology and the bells and whistles and the interior fit and finish that you would want for an everyday vehicle. It's not just them that's doing it. It's a lot of, you know, the other car makers are, and truck makers are, are scrambling to catch up, including Ford and others. So I got the car, and I thought I should probably jot down my car history real quick. And I'm going to run it through it real, just real quick here. I've had, I bought 15 vehicles in my lifetime. This is the 15th one between ones that I bought for myself and for the family. First car I ever had was a Dodge, was a Dodge 024, otherwise known as a Dodge Omni. And it was a 1.4-liter, four-cylinder piece of shit. It was also orange. I mean, day-glow orange with black trim and the 024 numeral on the side. Why? I have no idea. My, my grandfather joked, that's the top speed. Or no, my Uncle Tom joked, that's the top speed of that car. He wasn't necessarily wrong. It had louvers on the back window of the hatchback, and it was a pile of shit, and I loved it. And I drove that in high school. When I went to college, my dad got me a Mitsubishi Mirage used, got it fixed up or fixed it up himself. Of course, we did a lot of, <clears throat> my dad did a lot of repairs on his car, on our cars and the family in the, in the household. And I took it out to college, had it there for a number of years, and then shortly after I graduated from college, I ran it out of oil. And the engine seized up. And I had to call my dad and say, oh, shit, dad. It's the only time I've ever actually choked up in tears talking to my father. It's, <laughs> I just couldn't bear to tell him, like, so sorry, just didn't check the oil. <laughs> sure enough, seized it up. So I scrambled. I somehow was able to get a loan. I got a $12,000 Mitsubishi Eclipse Turbo used from a very nice woman who I think must have been a recent Dave Orsay in Southern California, just down the hills in Oxnard, California. It was red, 
and it was fast, and it was fun as shit. Mitsubishi Mirage. Or no, uh, Mitsubishi Eclipse Turbo. That was my third core car. I got a Honda Accord four-cylinder maroon used, and that one gave out when I was driving back from California the final time after working out in California at KTMS Radio and calling Gaucho games for UC Santa Barbara. The carburetor got stuck in the open position somewhere in the middle of Arkansas on the interstate. So the car was revving at its highest rev. And I was able to pull it over at the nearest stop. And I took it into a gas station and said, what can you do for me here? Can you, can you help fix this and what's going on? I mean, I'm in the middle of nowhere, Arkansas. And the people were very nice, and they said, nah, look, you know what? You'd have to have a whole carburetor rebuild. We can't really replace it. It'd be $700 repair, something like that. I said, all right, thank you very much. I then got back on the road, and I kept shifting out of drive when it got too fast on slower roads. And I just made sure to stay close to the highway, and so I was on the highway. And at full rev, with the carburetor wide open, that Honda Accord went about a comfortable 65 to 70 miles an hour on the highway, and I was able to get home all the way from Arkansas with a carburetor that was stuck open. And I think I called my parents, and I told them. And they were like, oh, my God, are you all right? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm just I'm kind of finessing it getting off the highway, taking it out of gear, coasting. It's And I put it into gear. My parents let me keep coming back. It just seems like such different times. I couldn't imagine. Of course, I don't have a son. If I had sons, I'm not sure if I would be comfortable with my son saying, yeah, I'm in the middle of the country. I'm by myself. I've got a four-cylinder Honda Accord. The carburetor is fucked up. But don't worry. I'll finesse at home, Dad. Hell, it's only 1,500 miles. What's, what could go wrong? Then I got rid of that. I got a gold Honda Accord, which was my first V6. I felt I had finally arrived. I had a decent job in Northbrook, Illinois, for the one-on-one sports radio network. I then got a green Ford Explorer on a trade with a radio station in Charlotte. I hated that car. It was a two-door Ford Explorer. One very good. I bought a Lexus IS300 when I got up to D.C., and I loved that car, but it didn't perform at all in any kind of weather, especially snow. One day, we got literally less than an inch of snow, and I take that thing out with its rear-wheel drive, and it's summer tires, and I try to go up a slight incline. Not a huge hill, just a modest incline in my neighborhood, and the thing was fishtailing, basically didn't make it. Like I said, rear-wheel drive, summer tires. Of course, the, the Lexus IS300 had a button on the console that said snow, and when you pressed it, it turned a light on. It didn't do shit to help you navigate the snow. I think somebody joked to me saying, yes, it was a light on the button that said snow to remind you, hey, dipshit, it's snowing. You should probably take your rear-wheel drive summer tire Lexus off the road for a while. I got rid of that, and I got into an Acura TL, black, tan interior. I love that combination. And it became the Deer Slayer. Hit three deer with it, killed two, And said, you know what? This thing is bad luck. Then in 2010, I got that Hyundai Genesis that I have now uh, bequeathed to my father. 
bequeathed, you sold it to, you ripped him off. Okay. He insisted on the price. Anyhow, that lasted me 200,000 miles, and I said it's time for a new one. So now now I'm into this sweet-ass Ram 1500, and it is a beaut. The other cars that I've had, I've had two Honda Odyssey minivans, a silver one and a green one. We liked them both. My family did, uh, especially for kids. Minivans can't be beat if you're in the kid business. I know people think, oh, I want an SUV. Minivans are the tool for the job when you're in the thick of it raising kids. Had a GMC Acadia. Did not have a great experience with that. Luckily, it didn't fall apart mechanically on us, but eh, it just wasn't very finished or polished for a car that cost $50,000. And my wife is now in a Honda Pilot, one of the redesigned Honda Pilots. It's like a 2016, I want to say. And I like that car a lot. It's a really solid SUV. So there's my car history for you. Share your thoughts with me when it comes to cars, good and bad. It is time for Notorious J.A.Y. Good afternoon. Why don't you and I have wagers when our football teams clash? I should be doing this with Charge and the Vikings. I should be doing this all the time. Of course, I say this after the one time in the last six meetings my team got the better of the mighty black and gold. I'm really tired of coming on this podcast and dropping bombs. And nobody gives me fucking credit. Oh, you got credit. In fact, I got several emails saying, Jay called this one from two weeks away. Yeah. And you called me crazy, by the way. <laughs> I did no, call no, no, you no, crazy. No, no. You said you're the only one who thinks this. And I oh, said, man. Okay. Well, you All know right. what? I will shut my mouth and listen to the oracle that is Notorious J-A-Y the next time he speaks about the shortcomings of his beloved Stillers. Do I get more credit for this one or the when I predicted UMBC would beat number one Virginia? The UMBC one is an all-timer. Okay. And because I remember nothing, I don't recall specifically you calling it, but I believe you. My full faith and bond in your word. Um, so I believe your listeners will te- oh, email you okay. and call it. Yeah, I, I, you know, if I had any gumption, I'd go back and I'd find the audio from the specific podcast, and I'd pull it for all time because it's one of the all-time great calls. Maybe I'll do that. So it was, I assume, the podcast prior to the yeah. tournament two yeah. years ago. Yes, this this goes. I, I have a list of these things. I called Villanova over Georgetown. My dad can back me up on that one. Okay. You know, and I said, this is just going on. I believe I called the United States over Russia in 1980. <laughs> <laughs> now, I are saw- you just are you just throwing out wild-ass upsets, or are you sufficiently no. judicious in your upset specials? No, the Villanova Georgetown, I called that one, and we were at the dinner table. My dad liked Georgetown because he loved John. Every black man over 40 loved John Thompson. Of course. You know of course. And I, and I hated Georgetown. What? But I said, oh, I hated Georgetown. And Why? I, I hated Because you're a Maryland, Maryland guy? Right, right. So I remember saying, Villanova and Georgetown played twice earlier, and they were close games. They were. And I said, you can't beat a team three times in one season. Boom. There you go. 
Yeah. If I recall, Thompson had his team staying way away from the normal media center of the final four. Yeah, I I think he just so paranoid about distractions and wanting control. I'm not saying that contributed to the loss, but yeah, Villanova played him tough. There was no shot clock, and uh, Ronald Ronald McLean was high as a kite. And there you go, upset. And Harold Jensen shot 80%. Or I'm sorry, he was was 8 for for 9 or perfect, one of the two. Anyway, but this Steelers-Redskins game, I saw this coming. Because as I said, the Redskins did what any team should do against a pass-happy offense. They rushed four, dropped eight, and dared. They uh, sure did. Yeah. And they got. I'm sorry, seven. Did I say eight? Sorry. Yeah. That'd be a penalty if you dropped eight. (laughs) That rush four, drop eight. That's a great defense, Jay. I'm going to run that by. I'm going to run that by Greg Williams. Oh, and see it. Oh, did I jump the route on your fuck that guy? Have we accelerated all yeah, the way to the end? You, you, you knew that was because <laughs> I didn't text anybody else but you. That's so I, good. Because I, I always hated Greg Williams because I don't even know him, but he seems like a douchey dick. Oh, and, absolutely. And for him to call that defense, there is no one defense. Ryan Clark didn't do, like he loves Greg Williams. I think he played for him at one point, but he said this was the dumbest thing about it. nobody has justified calling that defense. Yeah. Nobody. And you can't. Uh, so 3:13 p.m. on Sunday, which is before the game is even over, right? Or no, maybe right. wait a minute. I think it was over. That's a th- I'm looking at the timestamp on this on my phone. 3:13 Central. Means oh, no, it was I called right after. Yeah, I, I texted you texted. Right okay, so you texted. Yeah. How is Greg Williams employed? He's an asset and terrible at his job. Yes, I said yes. great question. Like a lot of ex coaches getting recycled, and you then texted blitzed seven with a million exclamation points with ten <laughs> seconds from the fifty. He has to be fired in the locker room. Well, not quite then, <laughs> but the next morning <laughs> he was told get your shit and get out. When Adam Gates fires you, you know you've done a bad job. <laughs> yes. By the way, he should be just, well, Romeo Cornell's really bad also at his job, too. But and, but, but nobody's working hey. Adam Gates right now. No. But Greg Williams Greg Williams is the new Rob Ryan. He's just famous for being famous. He's like Charo, you know? His defenses aren't particularly good. He got it was good one year. He taught his players how to headhunt. He got penalized for it by the league. And other than that, it's like, you know, the guy's not any better than any other defensive coordinator. It remains a player's league. Just like these bad plays that coaches call. They call a lot of dumb plays. Guess what? The best plays in the world with shitty players also look dumb. How okay, well, I saw two dumb plays in Pittsburgh. V Washington, oh. uh, the 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 fourth and one, or the the fourth and goal. The Redskins tried with uh, Logan Thomas. That was a dumb play. Yeah, they tried <laughs> a little. They tried a little trickeration there with a jet sweep off of Logan Thomas being in the center position or being in the quarterback position as a Wildcat QB. Yeah, I know he was a V Tech, but 
You're not fooling anyone with that one. I think and, what they the, I think what they thought was we put this play on tape against the Cowboys on Thanksgiving, and they had Logan Thomas run a sneak, which makes sense because he's a quarterback who's a big dude, and he doesn't have one leg that's shredded like a chicken wing, like <laughs> Alex Smith. So instead of running that play again, which fuck, I would have run it anyway. I'm like, yeah, you've seen this play before. Guess what? It's a sneak with our six five tight end former quarterback. They try to get tricky and they try to run a jet sweep to McKissick and boom, done. But that was because Isaiah Wright missed the block on the right wing, which now we're getting very geeky football wise, and I'm not sure anyone gives a shit. Well, se- second dumbest play is uh, fourth and one, and you throw a fade to your running back. Who oh yeah, caught five six catches a year, policy. right? Because uh, that throw that, uh, that throw was mostly on target for what's considered catchable in the NFL. He got one hand on it. But he was a short. Not, not for a running back. No, not for a running back. Right. Deontay Johnson sure. catches that. Unless, Juju unless Smith catches Le'Veon that. Le'Veon right. Bell would have caught that. Yeah, exactly. But it was just a dumb play. It's just the fact that your Steelers cannot run credibly for two or three yards when they need to, or even one no, yard, it, is tragic. It's it's well, every team I root for, USC Trojans do the same thing. Oh, we got stopped on this one. We're never running again. That's just <laughs> I don't understand that philosophy. Well. Also, I don't want this. This whole and I don't want to get geeky. This whole shotgun fourth and one. Yeah, I don't understand how coaches don't see how stupid this is. Why did that, I know? Well, because it gives them the option of run pass. Wait, but if you have a quarterback who's not mobile, you have taken away the run. I know what's coming on fourth and one. If Ben Roethlisberger is sitting in the shotgun, I know he's not going to keep it and go around the end. So I can have my defensive ends crash down and take that away. It's the dumbest philosophy ever. I don't understand. My goal line formation would always be three wide outs and 11 personnel, one back, one tight end. And that way I would have maximum flexibility. I wouldn't, when the Steelers went jumbo on that series for three straight plays, I'm like, that's so dumb. Going jumbo doesn't. From the shotgun, though. I know. They went, that's. Right. right, but going jumbo doesn't ensure you're going to blow away the defense. It just means here's more bodies to get in the way of your running back. But on the fourth and down on the fourth down play, Chase Young made a pretty fucking sweet Chase play. Young. I don't know who's better, Chase Young or, or T.J. Watt. They, were, they both look great to me. They're both really good, although T.J. Watt talked about dumb plays. Him standing over the fumble, getting himself set to pick it up and run, and then having it snatched from underneath him by Thomas – that was stupid as fuck. I, I don't know if he tried to scoop. I just No, he did. Well, Watch the play again. I, He's, okay, his body is over the ball. He kind of falls to one knee. And instead of just throwing his body on it, he gets up onto both feet and is about to pick up the ball like a baby. And then here comes Logan Thomas. Well, also the, the, oh, and the push. Hold. The, the, but it was a push. Well, I don't whatever. know how much of a hold. Whatever. He just he just grabbed grabbed a, a running back going out for a pass on fourth yeah. and goal. It's like, bro, they're going to call that every time. So anyway, my, yeah. Wait a minute, I got one, I got one yeah. more question. So this guy McKissick caught 97 passes for 3,045 yards on Tuesday. <laughs> Why is it that if I'm a defensive court, and I know they were down two linebackers, but as Mike Conlon likes to say, next man up. At some point, Keith Butler should have said, we must stop this. So we should devise some defense that McKissick 
might be accounted yeah. for. No, I hear, no, I hear McKissick has been doing this to teams all year. They throw to him on just a straight dart route on the in the flat, so, and he gets eight yards every time. I'm like, so just, surely so they have uh, stopped this by now. I, <laughs> well, maybe Greg Williams would have stopped it. Yeah. But you don't have him to kick around anymore. So net net on your Steelers, how bullish are you on them defeating the Chiefs to go to Super Bowl? Oh, fi- not at all. No, no, not at all. Didn't, they didn't, didn't wait for me to finish there. Okay. No, no they don't run. <laughs> uh, the injuries on the defense are mounting. Right. Uh, I don't even know if uh, Marquise Pouncey is going to be available. He never is. Of the way, most overrated center in Steelers history is Marquise Pouncey. Oh, my. He's always hurt. He's always hurt. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's, it's going to be tough. You lost, you lost three linebackers. Um, your, your, your DB got a concussion. Joe Hayden got concussed. I mean, injuries mount up, and I know next man up, blah, blah, blah. They'll get into the, to the playoffs and lose in the first round. That's, yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, how about Lamar and the Ravens? Lamar oh, they suck. Lamar. They suck. <laughs> Cowboys, Cowboys defense. Cowboys are the worst. Yeah, Cowboys are so bad, you, you can't even grade. You got to grade on a curve. They ran yeah. for 300 yards. But again, here's Lamar throwing for 107 and running for 92. And and, and what does that McKnight? No, he did make a nice pass in the corner of the end zone. Yeah, that was a sweet pass. Yeah. That was a beautiful – but I saw so many he would throw and just be off kilter, and I'm like, yeah. God, this guy can't throw. He's Robert Griffin. He can't throw. You know who, though, had made a big defense of Lamar Jackson as a thrower and as a passer prior to this season? Who? Warren Sharp of Sharp Football Analysis. He was he was championing Lamar as a passer like, you know, uh what's his name from first take champions LeBron James. Actually Nick Wright from first things Nick first. Wright, yeah. He yeah. he was he was pumping him like Lamar is a better passer and you know Warren Sharp is the numbers guy so he's got all these numbers and he's doing these comparisons and et cetera et cetera et cetera. The film guys were going, "Look, he's a good passer." Jay, you said all along, no, still no. not a good passer. No, there was there was so many overthrows, and but every now and then he will make a throw like he did to Hollywood Brown. I was on a, it was it was a dime, yeah. so, and that's why everybody. I mean, I mean, I'm still I'm still going to uh, go the everybody wants Lamar to be good, yeah. But is Lamar good? <laughs> I think he's good, but now this is the this is the plot twist in NFL careers and seasons. The the league is caught up a bit. He's slipped a little bit. Uh, they used to rely so much on tight ends, and they've lost all their tight ends this year, right, for the most part? Yep. So adjustments must be made. I have a proposition for you, and I want to see if you would have, you would take it, talking about this over breakfast this morning with some buddies. Would, I give, would you give me two NFC teams for one AFC team to win it all? Straight up. So, in other words, you get one pick, which would yeah. certainly be the Chiefs. Right. I get against, to pick against, two yeah. NFC. Straight up, would you take that deal if you were on the NFC side? Or which side you know, would you take? I, 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 there's, I don't see anybody from the NFC beating anybody from the AFC. Who's the one that knocks, as Walter White would say, in the NFC? In the NFC. Jesus. L.A.? The Rams, because no, the Packers, the Pack, no, the they Buccaneers. 
No. The Seahawks. Nope. All right. Well, we're no. at, we're we're now out of credible. No. We're now yeah. we're now unless you want me to include Arizona. No. Hell God, no. no. Yeah. The, the the Packers are good, but the Packers have one wide receiver, but yet he still catches. Oh, he's, and ball he's the game. really sweet though. <laughs> I know. He's I know. really sweet. By the way, is Aaron Ro- is Aaron Rodgers the MVP? He's having an MVP season. Okay. I don't know how you can't look at those numbers and make a strong push for it, but Mahomes is the flavor du jour. I'm not sure not sure they're going to give it to an old guy in Rodgers. What the Packers need is they need a little bit of attitude. They need a little bit of nasty. They're a nice team. They're a finely running team offensively. Defensively, they can be run on. We'll see what they do against King Henry in two weeks. That's going to be the tell-all game. Well, you know, he's going to – well, that game – Tennessee can't stop anybody. Their, yeah. their secondary is god awful. Yep. So Rogers made over five hundred yards that game. Yep. Did you uh, like Dez being on the field and then being pulled off because of a positive I, COVID test? And did you see I the memes? So did you see yeah. the de- Did you see the the COVID memes where Dez dropped it that game in Green Bay and they put a coronavirus molecule in his hands? Oh, god. I know. So That's wrong. so bad. Yeah. So bad. So cheesy. So, yeah, how do you feel about Dez? I mean, it was crazy that last week you had uh, RG3 passing to Dez Bryant on the Ravens. That, like, you would have never imagined in a million years, right? Right. Well, we, yeah, why would both those franchises give up on their best players? Well, because they stink. <laughs> and because and because the NFL moves fast. Yeah, yeah. Remember, Dez was like the best wide receiver in football for like a couple years. Yeah. All right, college football. Herbie was right. Yes. I wish to God he would just tweet out, told you, and then he, mic drop. No, because he's too much of a company man. I know he gotta, is. Got to be liked by everybody. I know. And again, I'm a Herbie stand, but if you if you came out and kicked everybody, especially the Michigan AD, yeah, you see that you see that bloviated dude. Oh God! <laughs> so, what do you do now if you're the Big Ten? There's talks today that they're going to amend the rules to let Ohio State into the Big Ten championship game. You amend the rule because that's the best team in your conference. By what metric? By the metric that Wisconsin sucks, <laughs> Indiana sucks, uh, Northwestern, mediocre, they have mediocre teams, and they have one super team. That's that's the metrics. Yeah. Some are saying, though, but you had rules. If Why have rules if you're going to change the rules? Rules are made to be broken. How about that one? <laughs> well, there's, there's that. There's people who do Thank say you. that. Yeah. I, I think that one. Here's what I think. I think they could have had Indiana and Northwestern in the title game. Nobody would watch it, mind you. I was going to say, if that game was playing across your street from me, I would shut the blinds. Shut the blinds. If it was in your backyard, you'd say, keep the noise down. Yeah, yeah. But you could still do that and still be true to your rules, and you would still get Ohio State in the college football playoff, I believe. Well, they've been running by the seat of their pants on this anyway. Right. So why can't they change the rule midstream? It's, it's just well, they can't. They 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 can. I guess my point is, next time we have next pandemic, Jay, let's not make any rules since we all know good and well we're just gonna fucking change them whenever we want. I. You know what? I hope I'm not around for the next one. I'm just gonna <laughs> say that right out. 
hey, the next one might be real, you know? I'm not saying this one's not real, but I mean, I'm saying imagine a pandemic with a true 2% fatality rate that actually cut across every demographic, not just old and infirm, but young too. Imagine that, my friend. Like this one? No, this one doesn't have those features. It skews heavily older, and it's well under 1%. Okay, well, I don't want to get into this. Okay, well, we, I mean. We, it's either this or the election. Which one would you rather? What, <laughs> get into? What, yeah, the, the, the pandemic or the election. Oh, I, I mean, I'm not going to argue it, but the, the facts are it has a fatality rate well under 1%. I, it's funny because I've known six people who've had it, and they're all under age of 40. And they were pretty fucked up. And they died? No, but they were not. Oh. I know oh, okay. three of them were in a hospital for a week and a half. Oh, boy. And one was, like, bedridden but got over it. But oh, still. I'm sorry to hear that. Stay, yeah. stay safe out there. Okay. I'm, yeah. I'm just – I guess I'm just saying, Jay, there, there are worse pandemics that could happen. Could. How did the swine flu work out? I can't. I wasn't around for that one. Well, in the, the nineteen in the early nineteen hundreds. Well, I mean, there was was that swine flu or is that it, it, Spanish flu? Spanish flu. Like, Spanish fifteen. Uh, that was Spanish flu. And if you okay. re, if you if you looked that one up, that one was a lot fucking worse because our soldiers, our youngest, fittest men, were coming home from World War II, and then they get hit with this pandemic wave that was killing tons of them. young guys but anyway i digress let's get back to the sports shall we speaking yes. of pandemics coach k oh that was, <laughs> he's my fuck you guy that was my <laughs> okay that was because uh, um wait a minute wait a minute what time did they lose hold up they lost last they lose night. to illinois by 15 and my, and my buddy keith texted me coach k is going to get sick Real soon. <laughs> yeah. He does this every time his team really sucks. His back mysteriously hurts or something. And I wonder if he's going to try to get these losses uh, taken away, expunged also. For those that don't know the history of this story, the great Mike Krzyzewski, head Krzyzewski, coach, yes. Duke University, who we can admit, Jay, is the greatest modern college basketball coach around, although he can also be an insufferable prick. A rat-faced, two-faced, hypocritical, way overcompensated guy. Fuck him. We can agree with that. Okay. Oh, my God. Yes. Okay. Yes. So back in the late 80s? No. I think it was mid-90s. Okay. Mid-90s. 95, 96. Yeah. After the back-to-back national championships with Leitner and Hurley and Grant Hill, Duke ran into a rough patch. Which is going to happen, right? From time mm-hmm. to time, any program. So, in the middle of a really rough patch with a very weak team, Mike Shashevsky says, Ah, ah <laughs> my back, my back is broken. <laughs> and so he bows out on the rest of the season and he flips the keys to the team to an assistant by the name of Pete Gaudet. Gaudet, yes. Pete Gaudet tries to land this rickety plane with no engines safely for the rest of the year, and they finish with a sub-500 record at I mighty believe, Duke I University. like 15 and 18 or something like that. Yeah, it was not pretty. After that season ended and he was able to get some more recruits under him, 
lo and behold, Krzyzewski's back improved, and he was back coaching the next year. But it didn't end there because years later, Krzyzewski lobbied the NCAA to officially take the losses incurred by Gaudet off of his official career win-loss record as a coach. That he did. Earning him condemnation and ultimate douchebag status for many people in sports to go, yeah, that's not exactly how it works. Can I can I give you the starting lineup from that team? Oh, please do. You on basketballreference.com? I sure am. God, what a and, great uh, site, nerds. And uh, at guard, we have uh, Jeff Capel. Oh. At, at the other guard, Chrissy Collins. At Powell Ford, the big Indian chief. He was an Indian, but <laughs> Cherokee Parks. Cherokee Parks. And at center, Eric Meek. Now, that is a that You know, team you can make a ham sandwich like out of that. Yeah. Cherokee yeah. Parks is an NBA player. Cable, I think, got a cup of coffee. And Chris Collins was a, was a great, if I get Chris, my feet set, I'll kill you. <laughs> Chris Collins' dad was a coach. And yeah. uh, yeah, that's all I can say about him. His dad was a coach. His dad was, yeah. 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 He no. Was, no, no, he was a competent. A competent college player. Wasn't that around the time that Capel won a game against Carolina with a bank with shot? half court shot. From yeah, half court, yes. yeah. That was okay. that year. Oh, that it was. was. That year. Okay. Yeah. But, but, but by the, this, this year, like Maryland was rolling. Uh, Carolina was rolling. So Duke, if, if it's just getting recruit well, he might have been left. Oh, there was, I believe Wake Forest had Tim Duncan. At uh, yeah. So the ACC was like, and, and oh, Clemson had Sharon Wright, and they were good. So this was a tough ACC. Yeah, who was the uh, who was the slick point guard that uh, Wake had? Not uh, Paul, not Chris Paul, but the one before him, six two. Randolph Childress. Yeah, there you go. Go greatest th- uh, three games ever in the history of the ACC tournament. Mm-hmm. So so Coach K said after they lost to Illinois by fifteen. I'm just I'm not sure if we should be playing basketball right now. I mean, what's going on? You know, we got kids that, you know, want to go home for the holidays for their mental health. We're just plowing through this. He's such a dick of a guy. I, I His whole I thing he says he says the sport is largely governed by an oversight committee. And he wants more of a centralized authority. Here's the problem. If the centralized authority, that's the czar of college basketball, does shit he doesn't like, he'll be the first one to bitch about that. Right, get the czar out, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he wants it both ways. He wants to say, well, we don't, ha- we don't have anybody running the sport like a CEO. And yet, you know goddamn well, he'd want to be the one that is running it, making all the decisions. Anyway. Again. Fuck yeah, him. He used to. He's like when he started in the ACC. He was, you know, the young whippersnapper. He used to bitch about all the stuff that uh, Carolina got and Dean Smith. And now he is that guy. Yeah. And uh, by the way, they're two and two now. Duke, one of their softest starts in a while. Normally, of course, you get a lot of cupcakes. Those have been taken off the the the, the schedule due to COVID. But still, uh, Kentucky got completely embarrassed. By Georgia Tech. Just toyed with. Kentucky Another. is off to a bad start. 
Another another guy who I say is a terrible coach, but people yell at me. <laughs> Calipari. Calipari. He, yeah. No, he is. Calipari is, and he's a great recruiter. He's great on TV. In-game, nimbleness, decision-making, all that other tactical stuff, F. I got it. I have a cousin who played for him at UMass, and I've never asked him if the guy can coach. I think I'm going to have to make that call. <laughs> All right. And then uh, before I get to fuck that guy, uh, Jalen Hurts, now your starter in Philadelphia, is the Carson Wentz era over? People are saying he's broken. I mean, have we ever seen a quarterback come back from being benched and becoming good? <sighs> a guy who used to be a star and then – just couldn't play, lost just his nerve, play. went all Steve Sachs, Bill Blass, Rick Ankeel. Oh, look at you. Look at me, rattle tat tat. Yeah. Uh yeah, I don't know what I don't know if there is a guy that's come back from that. There's guys who have had late career blossomings like or go, Rich. He's gonna have to go to another team. Uh probably so. Yeah. Tommy Maddox. Tommy Maddox yeah. was the AFC league uh, or offensive MVP. After he'd gone to the after he'd gone to the XFL, the first yes. XFL came back yes. from that and had a year in the NFL. Guys like Brad Johnson had late career spurts, turned out pretty well. Yeah, so he's going to go to another team to be good. Uh, be, you, but but he's got the most untradeable contract in the history of pro sports. It, I think it's more tradable than you think, from what I read. Okay. I saw the numbers, and I, I was they're, like, I don't know how this works. But. They're, they're heavy numbers, but it, none of it's guaranteed beyond 2021, so there's only one more year left on it. So okay. if you pay a big price, there'd be some you know ups and extras uh, to go with it. But other than that, you could do it. Do you care at all where James Harden ends up? No. I, I, yeah. By the way, you see his mom is, is his agent? No way. Yeah. Aw. Isn't that well, sweet? Isn't that sweet or isn't that stupid? I don't know. That's the, I was going to say B because uh, she was uh, complaining about Instagram posts about James and put out this long uh, diatribe oh, God. about how James, to which she said James gives uh, 120%, which as we all oh, know. is impossible. Thank you. That's what I said. Yeah. <laughs> All right, time to light it up. If you want to reprise your FTG, that's fine. No, or you can sit I, back and I, I listen have, to mine. I have three. I have three in the hop. Yeah, see I that? Jay is smart. He knows. Always bring a fistful of FTGs on Thursdays. I'm not a good guy. Just in case. I'm the yeah. guy. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. And I must say there is a 12.6% chance, according to my Cynthia Freeland advanced metrics, that you're going to take my FTG based on recent news items, but we'll see if it happens. Go ahead. Rob Manfred is my FTG for killing one of the most purest forms of sports, the minor league system. Today, the Frederick Keys in lovely Frederick, Maryland, are no longer in the business of baseball. No. Yes. Out of business, yes. closed. They're yes. a, they're going to be a paint store. Don't they have a beautiful ballpark there? They do. It is absolutely gorgeous. So what are they going to do with it? Truck pulls? Swap I, meets? I, high school games. But Wow. Is, what I happened? Saw that was, they, well, they just killed one of the Orioles affiliates. 
Remember they they're, they're cutting back. Yeah, they're consolidating. Because of, yeah, because of Rob Manfred and the Frederick Keys, who I've seen like eighty games in that stadium, but not anymore. So to you, Fred Manfred, Rob Manfred, That's all you Rob Manfreds, Manfred. <laughs> Rob yeah, Manfred, yeah, Rob Manfred, Commissioner of Major League Baseball, Jay says, "Fuck that guy." All right, you didn't pick mine, so thank God for that. My FTG goes to a guy who needs to learn the lesson of, could you just go away for a little while first? Guess who is the new voice of the Roberto Clemente Baseball League in Puerto Rico? I saw this, but I I don't want to step on you. Tom Brenneman. Mr. Homophobic Slur, Tom Brenneman disgraced ex-Reds voice, an NFL on Fox announcer, has decided, you know, I've been out of action for about six months. Damn, I'm itching to get back in. You know what? Get me anything I can. Agent says, well, I got you the Clemente League in Puerto Rico. Oh, yeah? What's what's that the equivalent to? Uh, Developmental ball. I'll take it. Anything (laughs) to call a baseball game. Hey, I'm sorry you lost. Well, I'm not sorry you lost your gig, but guess what, dude? You fucked up. You lost your sweet gig. How about this for a road back to eventual redemption? Maybe go away for a fucking year. All right. To Tom Brenneman, I say, fuck that guy. Wonder what it's paying him. How many? How many other young announcers are like? God damn it, I was angling for that job. Does he get paid in pesos? I don't know. Is that, yeah, I'd like to know. Speaking of young baseball announcers, didn't one Tim Murray once used to call games for the Frederick Keys? I believe Murray did. I Thank think you he did. Remember, I guess he did. All right, I'll ask him tomorrow on the Friday's Abecast. Jay, as always, a pleasure. Thank you, brother. Bye-bye now. That'll do it for me today. Thanks for listening. Have a great Thursday tomorrow. Football Five Ways Friday. Me and Mr. X give out winners. Subscribe. We appreciate it. We'll see you tomorrow. It is the most wonderful time of the year for a year that can't end soon enough. We all deserve a win. We all deserve a little extra money in our pocket. And we all deserve to have a little fun. Well, the best place to get all three is mybookie.com. They're the only sports book that doesn't care whether you were naughty or nice this year. They've got gifts for everyone. Bet the NFL, NBA, college football, and more. College basketball too. Sign up today and receive the ultimate stocking stuffer, a 50% deposit bonus up to $1,000. That's a great place to start, but we all know Christmas is about what's under the tree. And at MyBookie, that means huge deposit bonuses, epic giveaways, and free contests. It's simple. Sign up, enter promo code ZABE, and get your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. Head over to MyBookie to make the most of the holidays this year and strut into 2021 with cash in your pocket. This winter, bet with the best. Bet with MyBookie.